Welcome to High Point University Sport Management Industry Insights Podcast. My name is Jenny Luco, and I'm the chair of the Sport, Event, and Hospitality Management Department here at HPU. I will be joined on air this year by two highly engaged HPU students who will be serving as co-hosts, Alana Sullivan and Wendell Epps. Alana is a senior sport management major and Wendell is a junior sports media major who will also be serving as our senior producer. Serving in the role of associate producer to help with the production and editing responsibilities of the podcast is Blake Woodard, a freshman media production major. If you haven't listened to it already, you can learn more about us by listening to our teaser episode where we each provided a little background on who we are. The SMG Industry Insights podcast was created as a forum where we hear the stories of sport industry leaders. We will discuss their current roles in the sports industry, how they got where they are, what challenges they've experienced along their journey, and what advice they have for current students looking to break into the industry. This year, we are very excited to present interviews with a number of HPU alumni who work in all aspects of the sports industry. For today's episode, we are excited to welcome Stephanie Morris to the podcast. Stephanie graduated from HPU in 2015, where she majored in business administration and minored in sport management, entrepreneurship, and communication. During her time at HPU, Stephanie obtained internships with Stafford Motor Speedway and the NASCAR Hall of Fame. She was hired by Hendrick Motorsports after graduation, and for those who are not familiar with the motorsports industry, this organization fields four full-time Chevrolet teams on the cup circuit. The headquarters is located in Concord, North Carolina, where it employs more than 600 people. Since being hired in 2015, she has served in the role of community relations and event coordinator until January 2021 when she was promoted to the role of account executive. Stephanie, we are truly excited to welcome you to the podcast today. To start off the interview, we would like to begin with some questions that would help us get to know you a little bit better, Stephanie. I remember vividly you saying to me during a conversation in my office, your very first year on campus, how your ultimate goal was to work with NASCAR in some way after graduation. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you become interested in sport management and motorsports specifically? Yeah, so I uh, grew up in the racing industry. Um, I'm actually from Connecticut and drove race cars up in Connecticut with my family. Um, So I drove um, for the better half of uh, my life and was always involved in it. And somehow, mainly my father told me that if I wanted to drive the race cars, I had to build the race cars. So that was something that I always thought kind of put me um, in a different league, one as a woman. Um, But there's even men out there who just get in and drive. They don't necessarily know anything about their car. So I ended up falling in love with more of the mechanical aspect of racing. Um, so as I got older and uh, thinking about my long-term careers, I really wanted to do something on the mechanical aspect of it. I really wanted to build race cars and continue to build race cars, but I knew that being a woman in my industry um, is hard enough, never mind actually working on the cars. So um, what I ended up doing was getting the business degree here at High Point and that put me in a position that if I didn't get into NASCAR um, and I wasn't, you know, physically involved with actual race cars hand on, I had other options of other things I could do because I honestly, you know, I wasn't really big into other kinds of engineering. So if I became a mechanical engineer, I didn't want to go work in a factory. I just wanted to work on race cars. So I knew getting a mechanical engineer degree was not going to help me get into the industry I wanted. So that's why I went the business degree with the um, minor in sports management. That's awesome. And so you obviously had a little bit of background in the industry, but what really got you started? Did you do any internships? Um, And if from those, what did you learn from those experiences? Yeah, so I did a couple of internships. Um, I worked with the racetrack that I actually grew up racing at. So Stafford Motor Speedway was um, where I grew up racing. So I did do an internship there, which was really cool because it was uh, more on a local level, a community level, something where you have to work, um, I would say, a little bit harder on sales and marketing because it is a smaller market, a little bit more personalized market not like you're trying to sell NFL tickets, um, pretty sometimes easy thing to sell. So, uh, that was a very interesting aspect. And then 
while I was doing that internship, I knew that I would want to go do bigger and better things just because I already had so much um, insight into the industry on the mechanical side. So I knew that doing more and more business related internships was going to help me. So when I came to High Point, that's when I actually started looking into more opportunities in the industry um, as a whole. So I actually did internship with the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It was my junior year going into my senior year, which, you know, gave me an even broader aspect of the actual industry um, as far as the NASCAR industry, not just the sport industry. And then, of course, not just internships, but I was part of the sports management club and um, different aspects around campus. I was on the rowing team. So I did participate in philanthropy um, events and I was one of the, you know, event coordinators. We did actually host a couple of regattas here at High Point. So I did help host those and plan those, which is all, even though not a direct internship, it's all experience that goes into what I'm doing today. Fantastic. And right now with your job working in NASCAR, is there a typical work day in your industry right now or is it kind of free for all every single day? Um, there, there's no typical day, um, which is great. That's why I do love it. I mean, you kind of have your tasks that you try to get done every day. Um, you don't always get them all done. Uh, but eventually by the end of the week, you figure out a way to do that. Um, but I think the one interesting thing is that, yes, we all have desks and we do a lot of email. Um, a lot of what we do is on the computer, whether that's uh, part of my job is actually checking paint schemes to make sure that all the sponsors are happy, all the logos are correct. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is all on the computer. I do a lot, a lot of licensing. So anytime any one of our licensees is selling something with uh, one of our driver's likeness or our logos on it. It has to go through an approval process. And we do that um, actually for each individual driver and team, one of uh, me or one of the other ones in my position, we all do that. So there's a lot of aspects that go behind. Um, I'm, I am what is considered an account rep. So there's a lot of things that go behind being an account rep or an account executive. It's not um, just make the sponsors happy or work with the sponsors, but there's a lot more behind it. So every day is a little bit different. But I think what is interesting is when we do have to get away from that desk, we are going down into the shop and dealing directly with the crew chiefs, with the car chiefs. We are dealing with the car. I have to physically check the car to make sure the logos are accurate and talk to the interior guy because he's the one that's going to be making sure that the different drivers are wearing the fire suit they're supposed to be wearing. And does he like that fire suit? Did it fit him last week? But now it doesn't fit him. So now I got to go get it altered, you know, all kinds of things that you may not think of. So I think that's what keeps the job very interesting. And you're not just sitting at a desk all day. I mean, we do. That's just the name of the game. We all have to nowadays. But at least when I get away from my desk, it is always something different. And I mean, we do travel too. So on the weekends, we uh, luckily as an account rep, I do not have to travel every weekend. I have a counterpart on my team, um, our PR representatives, and they do travel every weekend. Bless them. I could not do it. So I only go to about anywhere between 15 and 20 races, which is still a good amount for the year. Um, we have 36 races a year. So I go to um, a little over half of that, but that's a great opportunity for me to get to know my team better, for me to go ahead and get to know my sponsors better. I get to see their interactions at track to see what they're really looking for. Um, yeah, we're trying to keep them happy, but each individual one is looking for something different when we bring them to the track. And when they bring guests to the track, they're all looking for something different. So um, yeah, long, long-winded answer, but no, my day is never really the same. Um, the activities in my week are pretty consistent, but how we get those done day today usually changes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, uh, that's what working in sports entails, you know, a lot of unpredictable days, you never know what's really going to happen. But that's also the fun of working in it. But during your time working in sports, have you had any like mentors, any people that you feel like have helped get to where you are today? Yeah, I feel like you have um, mentors along your, you know, along your career, along your life. Um, I feel like they change. 
uh, throughout your career. Um, obviously, Jenny inviting me back here was one of my mentors while I was here at High Point. Um, I remember freshman year, I was in the program and I immediately reached out to Jenny and I was like, please help me. Like, this is what I want to do. How do I get there? And, you know, she was right there to push me along the way and then pat me on the back when I did get my job and there to support me. So you have those that um, are there for you now while you're in school. But then when I first got hired at at um, Hendrick, I had a nice support group um, of ladies that I worked with who were literally like second moms to me. I mean, when I went into Hendrick, I was, uh, you know, single, not knowing what I'm doing, brand new job. And they kind of held my hand throughout the process. I've been there going on eight years now. I am now married, first child. So those girls really helped me not only in my career to point me in the right direction. Um, Both of the women that were there when I first got hired were um, one of them was when I got hired um, six years ago was at 17 years and the other one was at 13. So they had been there a long time. So they knew, hey, what direction to go in, who to go talk to, which is huge. I mean, you go into any industry, whether you're in a company of 100 or 2000, you need to know the people in your industry. Um, You need to know the people in your industry and the people in your office and the people, you know, in your whole complex that you might work on. Um, That way, if you have an issue or a question, you know who to go to first. You're not wasting, you know, your whole day trying to find an answer. You can go to that one person or the one group of people and know that you can get something answered. So those ladies really helped me get comfortable with the company. Um, Very familiar with everybody on the company. And then when I got into my new job, um, I originally, when I was hired, I was hired as community relations and an event coordinator. So I worked with all four teams and all of our sponsors, which was about 30 plus sponsors, um, which is great because I got to know everyone, kind of work with a little bit of everyone, which gave me a very broad aspect of Hendrick Motorsports. Now um, I've gotten promoted about two years ago and I'm more team related. So last year I was with the five team. This year I'm with the 24 team and I work specifically, obviously I still help the whole company, but I work specifically with those teams and those partners. So when I did transition over um, to the five team last year, there was a man um, named John. He was my counterpart. He was my PR rep. So the two of us handled um, most everything that has to do with the five last year. And he was a huge help. He was one of those who knows everybody in the industry. And he was very nice to, you know, kind of take my hand and introduce me to those people, tell me who they are and what connections they have. Because as we all know, networking is extremely important, Um, not very comfortable at all times and kind of you got to do it. You got to get out of your comfort zone. But when you have somebody like I did, like John, who kind of gave me that middleman that I knew, hey, if I follow John, he's going to tell me who I need to know, who they are, who they know, um, which comes in very handy down the line. So John was a huge help for me in my transition from event manager to a uh, rep for sure. Yeah, that's always awesome to hear that you had those people in your corner to help you along the way, because In sports, sometimes it's about who you know, not what you know, and the people to guide you there and help you out along the way, which is really awesome to hear. Uh, But what are some of the things that you do to stay motivated, updated, and inspired in your industry? Yeah, that one, um, that one's a hard one. You know, we all have weeks where we're just drained. You know, we are just working. Um, I think this past month is probably one of the hardest months in NASCAR. Not only is it the kickoff to NASCAR, we have Daytona 500 um, in early February, but right before then we have the clash and um, it's kind of a, um, a fun race, if you will, it doesn't count for points. It's just a, uh, you win the purse at the end if you win and it's, it's a kickoff to our season. So um, really fun race, but they decided to experiment with it. And that meant that we went all the way out to LA 
for the first race of the year. And then we had one week to come all the way back to Daytona and get to the beach and start off our year. So um, I applaud NASCAR for trying it. They have to try something. I mean, we're in an industry where um, a bunch of our employees have been there 20 plus years. So, you know, we're kind of stuck in that. We don't want to change because sometimes what works works for us. Um, But, you know, you always have to change. You always have to be evolving with what the market wants to see and the market grows and the market ages and you have to kind of stick along with that. So NASCAR has done a good job of trying new things and we definitely applaud them for that. But it makes our job very difficult. So we went from, you know, West Coast to East Coast. And then what we do is actually for the first um, from race three to five, um, we are back in the West Coast for three weeks in a row. Um, Now, some of us stay out in the West Coast, but some of us travel back and forth. So um, I've had to do that where you travel back and forth. So you miss basically a whole day and travel because you don't get home till 3 a.m. And then, you know, about four hours later, you're still back on the computer doing work because you won that race, which is fantastic. You know, we're all excited and happy, but if you win, that means you're working no matter what. Um, You're pulling victory lane photos and your your sponsors are really excited that you won, but it means they want to activate more. So you kind of just, you don't get any sleep. You kind of, you're on a different time zone each day. So this first month is very hard. So I think this time of year is when we are just go, go, go. And then we all realize, okay, once we hit Atlanta, which is kind of where we get to um, East coast only races for a little while, we all take a deep breath and we're like, okay, let's all just relax here. Let's recharge our batteries. Let's recharge our minds. And I think one way that we honestly do that is a lot of team bonding. Um, you know, we try when we're on the road to get together and yeah, we team bond and we have meetings that we talk about racing, but then we also team bond where we go to dinner and like the rule is no racing. Like we ain't talking about racing. We're not talking about work. We're going to talk about our lives and we're going to talk about um, things outside of racing because if you think about work all the time, it'll wear you out. So we have meetings and we have times where we need to talk about work, but then when it's time to shut off and talk about how's your son doing is little Bobby in baseball. Now, you know, those kinds of things is that's the fun stuff. That's what makes our bond stronger. So we try to do that as much as possible too. And and I will say me and me and Jenny were talking about it at lunch today. Um, go get outside. (laughs) We are very active people. So um, we actually on our complex um, at at, um, I keep wanting to say high point at our complex at Hendrick, um, we do have walking trails and we actually have a turf facility. So that way, when uh, we do have our lunch hour, we are allowed to go outside and use that turf facility. It was made for the pit crew guys. So we're not allowed to use it if the pit crew guys are out there because we don't want to mess with their workouts, but they tailor their workouts around our lunch hour. So that way we can go outside and use the training field. We can go for a walk, um, just recharge by literally getting out of your work bubble. Um, if you get out of that same environment, then you're going to more likely have a fresher mind or just, um, just some vitamin D is really good for you. So anything like that, um, we try to just get out of our everyday environment. Yeah, that's, some awesome advice that you have there. I mean, we talked about it when we were driving around campus, but get out, getting outside and just changing it up, breaking from that norm is awesome to especially clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, another question we have for you though is, was there a time during your career where you were unsure about where you were going and how did you combat those uncertainties? Yeah, I think, um, you know, definitely during COVID, we all just went through a very unsure time in many aspects, not just our careers, but our lives and all kinds of things going on um, underlying with that. And I think one of the biggest things was our careers, you know, the whole work from home aspect, the um, work life balance. That's definitely always a thing that every industry, every company is trying to find the correct balance there. Um, And so during COVID, you know, I was an event coordinator. So we didn't really have events, um, which was very scary to me. And at the time I had actually been looking um, to move up in the company. And one of the things that is very tough about our industry is that it is a pro sport, um, but it is probably one of the smaller pro sports of the list. So um, we don't have that many spots available. Uh, We have 
600, um, just under 600 employees on our complex, but only 25 in the marketing department. So we are very, very small in that aspect. So there's not a lot of room for growth naturally. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. So at that point, you know, I was, of course, a little bit nervous because I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but they actually um, ended up inviting me to go become an account executive, um, which was awesome because that was where I eventually wanted to be. And I think through all of that time, the one thing that I would say is that you want to you want to trust your employer right um it's really hard you know it's a cutthroat industry in sports all sports is very cutthroat um and you want to find the people you trust and find the people who've got your back and i feel like i was able to do that in my industry i was able to find the people who i knew i could lean on and trust their word and i did and it might have took a couple years but they did take care of me and i am in a position that i i love my job. I loved my other job too, but just events went away. So it, the fact that they found a spot for me um, was amazing. And I actually even like it more than I do now. So I think just the perseverance behind it, I think our uh, generation and just our you know world as a whole right now is very anxious. We're always so anxious to like, go do the next thing and do go do the better thing. And, oh, I've been here for three years. Why aren't I a manager yet? You know, like, I feel like that's a kind of the mindset we have sometimes. And although that's great because you want to be eager and you want to let your managers and let your bosses know that, hey, one day I do want to be a manager. I do want to have those leadership skills because not everybody does. Um, but you also can't go in as a 22-year-old and expect to be a manager in three years. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to humble yourself sometimes. And I feel like that happened over the last six years that I've been there. I mean, six, seven years feels like forever. Um, but the amount of things I've gotten to do and the experiences that I've had, um, those experiences have got me in a good spot where I am now that I am confident in what I do. And I know I can go to a track or be in a sponsor meeting um, with our partners and act confidently because of the years I've spent building to this point. So sometimes I feel like we just need to breathe and realize that it's all going to be okay. We don't have to do it tomorrow. Um, but as long as we're striving to do it at some point. Excellent. So our next question, you kind of have addressed it a little bit in some of your answers, but what is it about working in sport management specifically? And then, of course, in motorsports, which is obviously where your passion lies. Tell us a little bit about what you love most about working in this industry and working in motorsports. And I know we talked earlier um, when we were having lunch about, um, you know, the, the championship run that you just had and those experiences. So maybe if you could relay a little bit about some of the joys that you get from working in your job. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody in the sports industry would agree that the um, high pace, you know, high energy and something new every day. That's kind of what keeps us in the sports industry is we love that aspect of it. Um, and I think the second best thing is, is the competition. I mean, we're all here to win, right? Like we want to, we want to be on a winning team. We want to, um, contribute to the win and the success of that team. Um, that's ultimately why we are all in sports is because of that competition. So I I think competition is extremely healthy. I think it's really great um, in any industry, even, I mean, we see it in finance, we see it in, um, you know, the, um, the uh, global industries, it's like we're always competing against each other. Um, so I think that's one thing that keeps you in sports. I think the thing about racing, um, which growing up, I saw it, but then being able to see it in actually the pro um, side of it and the, you know, pro industry, not just your, you know, backwoods racing, um, you see it at the professional level is the family atmosphere. Um, you know, we are such a family, like you come into racing and you know, everybody. Um, it, it sounds a little funny. It sounds a little high schoolish or whatever, but you know, everybody and everybody knows you. 
you. And there's some comfort to that. Um, and there is, you know, there becomes that friendship and there becomes that family aspect of it. Um, I did meet my husband at, in racing and, you know, we, uh, most of our friends, I would say 90% of our friends are in racing. Um, we all travel together. I mean, when we travel together, we only have like maybe Wednesday or Thursday off. Um, and you're really more just doing housework and getting ready for the next weekend. So you do become a family. And I think that's something about NASCAR that is really special. Um, and something that a reason why we all stay in it is because of the relationships that we've built. But then of course, I mean, we're going out there to win. So, uh, there is one thing to travel with these, these friends and family, and it's one thing to build that relationship, but you work so hard day in and day out to contribute to that team. Now I don't touch the car. I don't set it up. I don't build it. Although I wish I really wish I could. Um, but I'm basically paying the bills. Um, you know, we have partners who do a lot for us. Um, you know, whether that's monetary or in other ways. And my job is to um, keep those relationships, build new relationships and help those partners get what they need out of the partnership. So um, now I do contribute to the team in that aspect. I don't touch the car, but I do, um, you know, keep everybody happy in that aspect. Um, so with that, we do have a sense of ownership when you win. Um, when you go in and you win a race, like you are so beyond excited, you're so happy. Um, and then you go through that experience with your teammates um, who have become your friends and your family. And there's just no other feeling like it. It is so contagious. And I, I, I can't describe how um, emotional you get and the craziest thing was we had such a um, record year last year. Um, the five team uh, with Hendrick Motorsports broke all kinds of records and they were um, historical in everything we did. Laps led, races won, just everything. Um, and then during that time, you're like, all right, cool. We got another win. You're like, all right, stay focused. You like, don't get big head. Don't get ahead of yourself. We just got to go to the next win, like stay calm. And a lot of people take that as, you know, we were cocky or like we got comfortable in victory lane, but you got to stay calm. You can't get a big head because then that's when things, um, you know, get missed or that's when you drop the ball. So you do kind of keep your head down and keep focusing on the main goal, which at that point, once you get so many wins, the main goal is a championship. So we were to a point where a championship was the main goal and we wanted to stick with that. And then just to have that championship once it happens and it's, you know, like it is weird. It's like the movies when, when that championship happens and checkered flag drops and everybody is freaking out and we're yelling and jumping and it's like a whirlwind. You like look around and you're like, is this really happening? And, you know, teammates are crying. I was crying. It's you work so hard for 36 weekends in a row um, with one or two breaks uh, weekends off. And it's all comes down to that. At one moment and after something like that happens it's how could you not have a bond with your teammates and your company as a whole it just compounds on that whole family atmosphere well I think you are selling working in NASCAR and working for teams man I mean I'm I've you, you, you got me, sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> so, so we're just going to shift gears a little bit. Now that we've kind of learned a little bit about you and your experiences throughout your career, we want to kind of tap into um, some advice that you might have for others who are trying to break into any parts of the sports industry. So I use this example all the time. And I'm remembering years ago, like right after you got your job at Hendrick, uh, I came down and you gave me a tour. And on that tour, you were just relaying to me um, how you had been told soon after you were hired that 1,500 people had applied for the position that you ultimately were hired into. So tell us a little bit about why do you feel that your resume and experience stood out from the competition so that you were the one who ultimately earned the job? So kind of what advice, what could other students do um, in order to separate themselves the way you were able to uh, in order to get your position? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our mentors and our teachers are always telling us, you know, the more experienced, the better. 
And I do definitely think that is a huge contributor. Um, the more industry experience that you have um, on your resume, the better that's going to look. And if you can portray that, not only were you um, doing an internship or working in that industry, but that it was um, life applicable. So, you know, I know um, that Wendell, you're working in a studio um, where those studios look exactly like the studios that we use, um, whether it's in NASCAR with Fox or NBC, or it's the studio that we use um, on our complex. We have, we do have a studio for our sponsors and for our um, own personal use. So we can bring our drivers and crew chiefs into our studio and produce content um, directly for the partners. So that's something that, you know, does separate us from other teams because other teams might just not have that ability or the experience to hire people that um, can do that. So I think that kind of stuff, proving that you've worked with, um, you know, the tools and the equipment that shows that not only do you know how to do it, but I've worked with the tools and equipment and here's what I've done. Um, in some aspects, you can even put that into a portfolio. I think that's huge to show your work as well. Um, just proves, you know, another stepping stone to not just what you're saying, but you're proving it as well. Um, and I think another thing with that is the resume is huge, right? I mean, you got to talk, um, you got to talk your self into that resume. It's really hard to do that. It's hard to put personality into a resume. So I think if you can break through that resume and then get to the interview, I think the interview is, um, of course, what sells yourself. And I think interviews nowadays, um, even if they're on Zoom or Teams meeting or something, I know that's very difficult to sell yourself that way. Um, but the interview process, I think, is the most important thing. You need to be able to show that you have personality, that you can talk to anyone, that you know you um, can explain yourself. Uh, yeah, I have this internship or I did this, but what did you learn why you did that internship? Um, what were the key aspects of that internship that was your favorite or that you think, you know, was something you didn't um, think would be in that industry or a hard part in the industry because you don't get to explain all that on a resume. So the big headliners, hey, I worked at ESPN, I worked for a team, you know, those are going to get the attention. Uh, but then being able to back that up once you have the in-person interview of what you learned while you were there and the different aspects that you enjoyed of it. Um, you know, I, I had my uh, interviews and they're like, oh, I see you worked for NASCAR Hall of Fame. You know, what was your favorite part? Well, you know, my favorite part was going to the racetracks and actually doing the activations, you know, that kind of stuff. And you wouldn't think, oh, the Hall of Fame did activations, that kind of stuff. So um, different aspects of explaining yourself is very important. Um, there was actually one class that like, I wish I could take again, because even as I'm listening to myself, I can hear the likes, I can hear the ums, you know, we all do it. It is very natural. I don't do as much public speaking as I used to do. So I know that it's worse than I, I used to be really good in college at it. Um, but one class I did take outside of my sports management, I also have a comm major. And one of the classes we had to take was public speaking. And I encourage everybody to take public speaking. It is one of the hardest classes you have to take you feel silly. Um, and it feels like one of those ones that you're just like checking off the list, but it was so helpful. So helpful because not only public speaking is a great thing to have, but public speaking is interviews. It is, you know, explaining your resume. It is once you get into the industry, it's talking to your partners, selling sponsorship. It's all involved in public speaking. And if you're not good at public speaking, it's going to be really hard to move through the industry for sure. And this is just a follow-up to that because you had some amazing advice there for students on building the resume and how to sell what's on your resume in the interview. But, you know, over the years when you all are looking to hire interns or hire new team members, what are some other characteristics over and above what's on the resume and being able to sell it? Are there any other particular characteristics or things that you're looking for in new hires? Yeah, I think... Um... We talked about it a little bit, the um, the comfort level, I think the, um, the word I'm trying to use, the um, 
confidence. Um, your confidence is very important. You definitely want to go into an industry um, feeling confident in your abilities. And I think that's a very important thing um, that we look for because we don't want you going. Um, we have, um, you know, we have new hires that come in. And one of the things we have to do in our position is run victory lane. Um, so if we win, if I'm there or one of the other three um, account executives, we all do the same job. But no matter who wins, whether it's our team that we represent or not, we run victory lane. Um, and that can be very daunting. Um, it's your cameras are on. There's, um, you know, probably over a hundred people in the way and you're trying to talk to your team and get them in line for photos and trying to make sure the driver does what he's supposed to do. And the crew chief's trying to leave and you're like, no, 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 stay there. So th there's a lot going on in that moment. And if you don't have that confidence to, um, execute in the way that you know how, um, then you're going to sink. Um, people will walk all over you and that's any pro sport industry. It is like we've said, it's a little cutthroat. So you do have to have a backbone. You've got to, you know, put your chest up and know that, Hey, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. I know how to do it and I'm going to do it and, you know, really show that. And then with that, you want to make sure that you don't get a big head. Um, yes, it is your job and you know your job is ABC, XYZ and you got to get it done, but don't be rude to people while you do it. Don't have a big head while you do it. Don't, um, you know, well, I work for Hendrick Motorsports, you know, don't, don't do that. Um, having confidence versus having a big head um, is two totally different things. Um, and I think the other thing that it's a little hard when you are hiring someone um, to show it. Because of course, when we're interviewing and we're hiring, we're showing our best um, traits, right? We're not gonna say, I don't know how to do that or um, no, I'm not really good at that because you, you don't wanna show your negatives. But I think one thing when we get um, new people to come work for us or we have someone doing an internship, the one pet peeve of mine, and this is just life in general, not even just industry, but life in general, is when someone says, I can't do that because I don't know how, um, you know, oh, go change a light bulb. Well, I can't do that. I don't know how. And it's like, well, you didn't try. So, so I feel like that's one thing in our industry that is, you know, we're motorsports. So if you come in as, um, you know, someone who's never even touched under a car, you're going to, you know, have this mindset of, uh, oh, I can't do that. I don't know how, like, you're going to be a little timid about it. So in my, in my mind, it's instead of a, I don't know how, can you teach me? Um, you know, a lot of what we do is it's, I'm not saying you're going to go down and you're going to touch the car at all or inspect the car. They're probably going to get mad if you touch the car. Um, but some stuff we do is inside the hauler. So it's like, hey, go down inside the hauler and grab, you know, AB radio. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. Where's I can't do that. Where's AB radio? Well, I'll show you how to do it, you know, and, and that's like I'd rather have someone say, hey, can you show me where it is? Absolutely. Because then next time when you do it, you can do it on your own. Um, so I think in, in, in a lot of instances that might be just you're a little timid or you're shy. So you're like, I don't know how to do that. Um, so our initial reaction isn't, can you help me? It's kind of uh, you're afraid to ask for help because you don't want to seem like incompetent or weak or something like that. And I think you should always ask for help, especially in new environments. Um, even if you think you know how to do it, hey, can you do it one time with me to make sure I'm doing it correct? So that way next time I don't do it wrong or, you know, next time I do it perfectly right. Um, so I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't do when they're in an internship or um, if they're new on the job, they're taking in all that information, but they might not be asking questions or they might not be asking, can you walk me through it so I can see how you do it? Um, so then that way I know. That's awesome. And for you, you gave a lot of great advice there uh, to college students on what they need to do to get into the industry. But what's the best piece of advice that you have ever received in your lifetime so far working in sports? Yeah, I thought about this one and it was really it was hard to come up with um, come up with something. I think the more and more I thought about it, I think what stuck out to me um, was being authentic to yourself. 
um, when you go into any pro sport, no matter what it is, um, you are going to eventually be working with high profile names. You're going to be working with people who make a lot of money and you're going to get sucked into that, you know, pro uh, atmosphere, uh, if you will. And I feel like a lot of the times people change as they go through, um, a professional industry, um, you kind of change your attitude or you change your outlook and, uh, that's easily shown in your work. So if you change, um, your authenticity of where you started, you're going to start changing how you work. You're going to start changing how, um, you interact with other people and how you get the job done. And so I think the best thing is to stay authentic to yourself. Um, and remember that you're, you know, you're working for the industry, but you don't want to be the industry. Um, there's still a family at home. There's still, um, you know, hobbies that you have that make you unique to you. So don't change yourself because of what you're working in or who you're working for. Um, kind of trying to keep your own identity because that's what's going to make you stand out in the long run. Um, if you start to change yourself and be like the people, um, you know, above you, just because you think that's going to get you higher up, um, then you're going to be, it's the same person. Because if you're trying to be them, it's, you know, know, hiring the same person, which sometimes that works out, but you want to be remembered for your own uniqueness um, and not get caught up in what everybody else is doing. All right. Thank you. This is all fantastic advice. We really appreciate you um, providing your insights. I mean, this has been really, really interesting to hear your perspectives and your experiences. Um, But up to this point, we focused primarily on you and Um, what you have done in the industry. And now we would like to just kind of pick your brain a little bit and zoom out and ask you a few questions about um, the broader industry as a whole and some of your perspectives on that. First question, I just wanted to get your opinion on where do you see the sports industry going uh, the next five to 10 years? It seems like it grows every single day. Obviously, social media has been such a big rise and a presence in the industry. But for you, where do you see it going specifically in motorsports since it seems like motorsports is starting to get some more attention nationwide? Yeah, I think, um, again, a lot of it stemming from COVID. I think COVID proved uh, who and what sports kind of could survive different aspects of, um, you know, not only the aspect that we couldn't get together and we couldn't physically be there, but also the economic impacts. And, you know, we're still kind of seeing some of those economic impacts in our industry, all sport industries, um, you know, one from COVID and other things going on in the world. So I think it's kind of shown who can survive. Um, I feel like NASCAR did a pretty good job of that. Um, You know, NASCAR has been on a little bit of a decline the last five years or so. Um, And I think coming out of COVID, it's definitely on the uphill swing. We saw great numbers um, for the clash and great numbers for Daytona 500 this year. We haven't um, seen too many numbers yet on the first three races, but it's all looking great. I mean, just looking at the grandstands, I can see that there's more people, um, you know, actually at the track, which is awesome. Um, So it's got to mean more people are watching at home. We just haven't seen those numbers yet. So I'm eager to see those, but, um, our industry as a whole is always going to go up and down. And the hard part I feel like is, uh, in any sport actually is appealing to the younger crowd. Um, our younger generation is doing different things. There's so many more, um, aspects of life out there that it's not just sports. I mean, growing up, we're all like, Oh, what sport did you play? Like you had to play a sport, had to be, you know, multiple sports, but some kind of sport, you could still do other things, but you always played a sport. So I feel like that's not the norm anymore. It's not always that someone is playing a sport, you know, somebody, you know, might do, be doing the gaming realm. You might be an engineer. Um, you might be a musician. It's like, that's more common now to not only do those things as a young kid, but make a career out of it where before that wasn't really an option. So I think that's the harder part is um, getting kids involved at the young age 
and getting them to stay involved throughout their lifetime. And one of the ways that we do that, and I know that NASCAR does, is the interaction with our drivers, the interaction with our teammates, um, our partners getting involved. The partner is not just there anymore to write checks. They're not just there anymore to get eyeballs on the car. Like, yes, we track all that, and it is very important to the bottom dollar, but it's not about that um, solely anymore. It's also about the community impact um, that they have because they know that if they connect with these younger um, fans, that they are more likely to keep that brand awareness throughout their whole life. Um, if you are committed to a Coca-Cola product as a five, 10 year old kid, because you went to the Coca-Cola 500 and you got a t-shirt, like it sounds funny, but that goes a long way. So it is attracting um, that younger crowd, but also making it more accessible. So I think another thing that NASCAR used to do is we had these big giant weekends, right? Where you would go camping and you'd have three, four events over a four or five day period. Well, people just can't do that anymore. Um, you know, we can't, no one's buying a camper anymore. Um, you know, it, when I was 10, 15 years old, you know, we weren't, didn't want to sit in a grandstand for 500 laps. So that is something that we have to consider nowadays is the attention span and the economic impact that those weekends have on families. And, and they've done that. Again, COVID kind of forced us to do that. And I think it proved that you can condense the weekend into two, three days and still have a positive impact. So now you're doing like a Friday through Sunday, which is a lot more manageable for families. And some of the races, we haven't done this everywhere yet, but some of the races are getting condensed. So they're not as many laps. They're not as many miles, um, which honestly, you don't need that many all the time. So we're, we're condensing that down, which is great um, because it keeps the attention span. Um, nowadays, kids just don't have long attention spans. So we're really um, teetering that line of keeping our older fans and our um, committed fans there and committed and happy because they you know, are the ones that want to stay and that are going to pay for those tickets and are going to go camping, but they're going to get older at some point. So we do need those younger fans to start getting engaged and stay engaged um, in their time span and in their lifespan that they can spend the money and that they can come to the racetrack and get that experience. So now that we're getting through COVID, it is more about how do we enhance the at-track experience for um, these fans. So that way they stay engaged and they stay loyal to not only us and the drivers, but our partners and their brands. Certainly. And final question we have for you here in this section, um, you mentioned, you know, where you see sort of the industry going, but are there any challenges or anything that really concerns you about where things are heading in the future? Um, not really. I mean, I think a lot of the times, um, you know, internally, some people in our industry can be a little scared because it is, it's downsizing. There's no, there's no way around that. We are downsizing, but um, we kind of have to downsize to get to a comfortable position where we're not overspending. You know, we got to get to the right sweet spot um, now. And I will say that even though on the outside, it looks scary. Don't get me wrong that we're downsizing so much because we are. Um, but I have noticed that our owners in the industry, I would say nine out of 10 of them are doing what they can to keep their employees employed somehow. So yes, we are downsizing, but we are in an industry where our owners are so tightly related to our partners that we are able to move people into a comfortable position somewhere else or in a different industry, if you will. And I think that is something that puts us, um, you know, way ahead of our competitors in the pro sport industry. So, you know, your NFLs or your um, MLBs, any of those, they are maybe they have partners that they can say, hey, we have to downsize 10%. We have all these really great employees, but we don't know where to put them. Um, in our industry, we have fabricators, we have um, engine builders, we have all these really 
technical um, positions. And when we downsize, they have great skills that can go to other industries. Um, we've had people move directly to GM. We've had um, people go into the um, dealership business because Mr. Hendrick does own 113 dealerships. So we've uh, been able to pivot very well, which um, I think gives us the upper edge as a pro sport. Awesome. So uh, we've asked you a lot of great questions today and you've given us some great answers. So now uh, we want to go ahead and make things a little bit fun. We want to ask you some rapid fire questions, Stephanie, if you're up for it. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first question for you here, if you get any superpower, what would it be? Uh, teleportation. Awesome. What's one food you can't live without? Without ice cream. What is one color that you feel like best describes you as a person? I don't know as a person. Well, actually, that is really funny. It would be green because we do color coding personalities. Green is my favorite color and green is my personality color, which is funny. Fantastic. What's one city that you haven't been to, but you'd like to visit someday? Uh, Colorado. Oh, what's your favorite genre of music? Oh, it is rock and roll, but at the moment it's reggae. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um whispering <laughs> what was the easiest and hardest class that you took in college easiest and hardest um easiest oh easiest they let me take um they let me count wine tasting in italy as an art class <laughs> so that one was probably the easiest um hardest was uh, counting number two, which I later found out I wouldn't have had to do if I applied, uh, if I was born one year later. So there's that. And then actually Jenny and I were talking about it. Law was my favorite class of Jenny's. I loved law. Law was awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thinking about the campus of High Point University, what's one venue, what, what's something you feel like they should add well, within the next couple of years? I heard they're getting a nail salon, so that was something different. Um, they should add. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, oh my goodness, I don't know. A racetrack, I don't know. <laughs> go kart racing on the campus of Yeah, there University. you go. Yeah, that would be sick. Uh, if you had to enter a talent show, what would be your talent? Um, I guess building an engine. So that's a nice talent. And final question for you here. Uh, what's one fun fact a lot of people do not know about Stephanie Morris? Fun fact? Uh, I guess a fun fact, I am the youngest female to win a race at Stafford Speedway until like a couple of years ago, somebody broke it, but they broke, they've changed the rules. So I was the youngest female to win a race at Stafford for a period of time. That is awesome. Well, Stephanie, truly, this has been a pleasure to be able to touch base and visit with you after all these years. Um, and also to have the opportunity to give you a chance. You were physically uh, able to be here and get a tour, see the campus uh, ha as it's changed uh, since when you graduated. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you spending it with us and uh, providing some insights for our students. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Wendell, for showing me around. Um, all the new buildings around here are amazing. Um, so I hope I hope you guys are enjoying all the uh, fun things around High Point. Um, I still rave about High Point all the time. So yeah. utilize it to your advantage because uh, life ain't as pretty outside of High Point all the time. I, I was telling them I wish I could come back for like a week. Can I just like work remote from High Point for a week? Because that'd be cool. <laughs> but thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It. One final note for our listeners, for those of you out there who are HPU Sport Management alumni, please contact me. I'd love to hear from you. We would really like the podcast to focus on our HPU alumni base, so please reach out so that we can provide you the platform to share your story about what you've experienced since graduating. Whether you're a recent graduate or someone who was in our program 15 years ago, send me an email and let's get the conversation started. We'd love to feature you as a guest on our podcast.